This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got drama yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Kind of sound like I have a cold time, but I don't time, so don't worry about that time. Not that you would worry about that anytime time. College World Series didn't go the way Tennessee wanted time. That's okay because the Vols might keep their coach time. Some rough news uh, in other sports time, but also maybe some some good news. Lots to talk about time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a gorgeous, gorgeous Friday afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio just a couple of miles away from the University of Tennessee campus, which of course is where you can find Neyland Stadium, Thompson Bowling Arena, and Lindsey Nelson Stadium, all of which will be discussed here at, at some point during this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Not just me, though, thank God, because can you imagine just having to hear me for like 45 minutes? Ugh, that would be the worst. Welcome to my wife's life. Let's go across town to that clown car full of children, the home daycare center where one Ryan Callahan is. Ryan, what is up, man? Let, yeah, let's not test the, that theory on the uh the 45 minute West only podcast. But if we do, you have to sing acapella. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll show you my, I'll show my full octave range. I'm actually a uh, four octave singer. I don't know if you knew that or not about me, but I did not it, much like Freddie Mercury. I am a four octave singer. So it's, it's pretty impressive. I, I don't, I don't really show it a lot. It's kind of like, um, like uh, Will Ferrell and stepbrothers. Like I'm really careful about who I sing around, but, but when I do, it's, it's, it's like Fergie, Fergie combined with Jesus, you know. When I, I I'm a I'm a four octave singer, depending on which part you punch me in while I'm singing. That's true. That could work. Well, let's try that out at some point. Ryan, we got a ton to discuss today. In fact, we were going over our show notes about what we were going to discuss because we actually did a couple of show notes this time. Hey, how about them apples? So we are going to talk a lot of Tennessee football uh, in the second segment of this episode because there's plenty of football team news and recruiting to discuss. Some of it good news, some of it less than good news. That's okay. As a Tennessee fan, you're probably kind of used to it at this point, right? You, you got to take the good with the bad, just kind of how it is. And we're going to talk some Tennessee baseball here in the first segment because there's a bunch of news there. But before we even do that, I've, I've got to mention this. The NBA Combine uh, is going on right now, and there are three former Tennessee players who are there, and uh, the, uh, all three of them were among, like, the six highest vertical leaps recorded at the Combine. And Keon Johnson had a, had a max vertical leap of 48 inches, which broke the previous record of the NBA Combine by 2.5 inches, which is just insane. I mean, anyone who's watched that kid play can tell you he, he's got hops, but those are like legit MJ hops. Like, that's a ridiculous 
level of explosiveness. That's just crazy to think about we're, that. That's just we're, weren't there some Tennessee fans who were kind of questioning that decision to go pro and like he didn't look like a finished product. Tennessee fell apart late in the season, so he should have come back. Well, I think now you see why he went. <laughs> that was yeah. an easy call because. He's athletically pretty freakish. They're like, we'll work on that jump shot. The rest of it, um, you know, 48 inch. And he had like a 36 inch standing vertical, which is just like stand there next to him and say, hey, jump. And he'll go 36 inches in the air, which is just an incredible amount of twitch. I mean, 2.5 inches higher. Than, remember when like a 40 inch vertical was supposed to be like the, oh my God, that guy's got a 40 inch vertical. 48 inches, he goes eight inches above that. That's just crazy. And then, of course, Eve Ponds clocks in at 42.5, which is also freakish, um, but we sort of expect that. And then Jaden Springer, you can tell. I told people during the season his ankle was bothering him, and you could tell, and he was not showing the vertical lift he normally does because his, his ankle was injured from the Alabama game forward throughout the season. And so you can tell he's getting healthier now. He put up a 41.5-inch vertical at the combine. So, um, yeah, just that's, there, that's like a more hoppier than an IPA, you know, hoppier than an Oregon IPA, that squad last year. Uh, and it's a shame the way that things ended the way they did. Uh, but then they bring in a recruiting class that's ranked even higher. And I think we can all see where things are going with that program. But if you want to combine the good with the bad, um, John Fulkerson has gotten himself injured again. He, he got injured, um, back in May during a workout, he banged his wrist and, and he, Thought it was just sore, and, and then they did some tests weeks later because he kept because he, he finally said something about it, and it turns out he's got a fracture in his wrist. Yeah, so he he had surgery. He's in a cast, better now than like October or November certainly, um, but you know certainly not ideal. But you know Fulkerson's played through a lot. If anything, I would say that that probably impacts his ability to keep putting on weight. Uh, he he can still do that, but it's kind of hard to do some of those upper body lifts to gain weight um, when you are in a wrist cast. So uh, good, you know, obviously thoughts and prayers to Fulkerson. The guy's been through a lot. Um, he came back to Tennessee for a reason, and and you saw during the calls, you know, during the NCAA baseball tournament again, few people love Tennessee more than that kid. So uh, hopefully he gets better soon. But uh, I don't think it's the worst news in the world. I don't think it's good news, um, but I don't think it's bad news. So there's plenty – Plenty to discuss, and we've gotten through six minutes without even going into the show notes, guys. That's how much there is to talk about right now. Going to spend the rest of the first segment talking about baseball, and uh, as you've probably noticed by now, uh, LSU has hired a baseball coach not named Tony Vitello, which is great news for Tennessee. Certainly, you know, people who say, and Ryan, you know these people, right? You know, Swain started this saying a long time ago, and it's gotten popular, um, you know, put your cup on for Tennessee, and and where things were going, you know, you had so much momentum going into Omaha, and then it was, okay, are they going to, you know, what's going to happen when they get there? And they, they were the dreaded two and Q, right, the the dreaded two and barbecue. And then I'll give credit to our coworker, Patrick Brown, for this. He, he made a joke about something one day. Well, they go two and barbecue, and coach goes to LSU, uh, which would have been certainly bad. Um, but Tennessee – it looks like now, knock on wood, we'll be able to keep hold of Tony Vitello, and they're going to make him one of the higher-paid coaches in college baseball next season. I believe they are going through the through the process of getting some things done for the stadium that they need to get done. Of course, you have to go through city and county and state building permits and zoning regulations, and you know you have to go through the the, the three bid process for anything. Like if you want to 
cup of pencils at UT. You got to get three bids for it, just how it goes with a public school, let alone moving a road potentially to enhance a baseball stadium for constructions. So, so they got a lot going on there, but it looks like they'll be able to, to keep hold of him, and that's just huge news for that program. Yeah, it's impossible to overstate that. I mean, that this was what people were worried about even before the regular season was over. This was already on Tennessee fans' minds, and rightfully so, because Vitello is obviously just in year four. Uh, he's not established Tennessee, uh, at, at least uh, over a long haul, as, as one of the top programs in the SEC. And when you have a, a coach like that that has a big year, you worry about holding on to him, especially when a job like LSU was potentially out there, and it was. And obviously, Texas A&M was a concern at one point too, and, and that's uh, that's gone by the wayside. So now, Tennessee seemingly, unless unless some dominoes somehow fall that result in another job coming open that would be enticing to Tony Vitello, and I doubt that's going to happen. But uh, unless something like that happens, they they appear to be out of the woods for this offseason. And, and that's, that's impossible to overstate the importance of that because it looks like he is, you know, not just one of the uh, most up-and-coming coaches in the country, but maybe already one of the best coaches in the SEC. And, uh, and that's obviously a very tough league. He's recruiting at a high level already, and now we'll have a College World Series appearance to, to recruit from. And, and there's, uh, there's a lot working in his favor uh, for for helping Tennessee kind of uh, build this thing into not just a one year run, but a uh, but a long term success story. So we'll we'll see if they can continue to do that. But he's he's off to a great start, obviously in four years, and and now it looks like potentially a long term future with, as you said, Tennessee making him one of the highest paid coaches in the country. Yeah, and this without going into too great a detail, this felt like a this off season feels just like a huge inflection point for the Tennessee baseball program for its future. And, and I don't mean to sound dramatic about this, but, but you were, you were looking at a, at a situation where we all know what the transfer portal is like. And, and college baseball has always been incredibly transient anyway, like college baseball has been doing the portal thing basically for years, right? With number of guys leaving every year, it's just crazy how much, roster fluidity you see in college baseball at every level every year and, and so you ran the risk of having all of this momentum and then losing a coach to one of the, you know one of the best young coaches in the country losing him to a place like LSU and SEC you know rival and all of a sudden you're saying now okay will these stadium enhancements happen now will these stadium improvements happen the expansion you know what will this do to recruiting because because Vitello has put together just an absolutely ridiculous recruiting class a couple of those guys at least will, will never set foot on campus um, but a good deal of them will end up on campus uh, and Tennessee's also a very attractive uh, name to watch in the or program to watch in the transfer portal you know Kentucky starting catcher great player uh, he's looking at Arkansas Tennessee and some other places so Tennessee could replace Pavoloni with a, a guy who's also one of the best catchers in the country so you run the risk of losing all of that momentum, and then it's like, oh, God, is Tennessee going back into the wilderness for 14 years? And this this seems like a big, big deal for Tennessee because if you keep Vitello, if you keep the donor interest, if you get the stadium fixed, you can put together a, a program that either one, Vitello won't want to leave in a couple of years, or two, even if he does choose to leave, 
you will have the kind of roster, you will have the kind of stadium, you will have the kind of environment where another top coach would come right in and you would keep it going. This felt like a huge, huge offseason for Tennessee. And it was like, put all your chips in this basket, keep Vitello, whatever it costs, and keep moving the thing forward. And, and that one decision, that one move could – change a program for a generation i don't does that feel too extreme ryan to me it felt like that was it was that big of a deal because if you don't get vitello i mean if you lose him you can go call the sogard guy at Wright state you know there's a lot you know you can maybe call even a, a cliff godwin at ecu maybe he would give you a look you would have options but it would be hard to say even a guy like dave serrano couldn't get that thing turned around at first vitello could do it and, and so you just felt like this was a huge, huge offseason for them. No, I, I, to answer your question, I don't think that's overstating it because, I mean, you see this with, uh, with, with programs and with, with even professional sports teams all the time. Uh, we've seen it with Tennessee basketball. The years where Tennessee basketball has sold the most season tickets is what? The year after a big run. Yeah. Um, so not, it's, it's not just that losing Tony Vitello at this point would have stunted the momentum in the program and its development, it would have stunted the momentum in the building of Tennessee's baseball fan base, which has been not very big in recent years because there hasn't been a whole lot to cheer about. Um, you just had this memorable run. You had the block party outside the stadium for the, for the NCAA regional and, and or for the super regional. Uh, you had a lot to, for fans to really uh, relish about this run and, and, and love this team and really, uh, I think, embrace this team. And now you can you can go and sell season tickets off that, and you can expand a stadium this offseason potentially, and and maybe have a season ticket base where there's actually some pretty big crowds next season, especially for SEC play. That's that that's a big step forward if Tennessee can get it to that point because there've been Wes, you and I have both covered games at Lindsey Nelson Stadium over the years where there just aren't that many fans. Correct. I mean, what, what, f- fewer than 500 fans at a lot of games, mm-hmm. frankly. And sure. uh, announce, announced attendance a lot higher than that, but actual people in the stands, not that many, a lot of family and friends. So um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a big step if Tennessee can get it to that point. And to lose Vitello at this point after all the fun everyone just had, and I know everyone's disappointed about the way the season ended, but even still getting to Omaha, having that kind of memorable run, uh, it, people are hoping this is just the start of something big. And if, if you had lost Vitello, all of that would have just been thrown away. Who knows who you could have hired to replace him, but it, it, it would have been tough to keep everything at such a high level. And now that high level of interest is going to, to maintain, uh, at least have a better chance of maintaining until next year. And if they can continue to make this a thing, I mean, we've seen what Tim Corbin did for Vanderbilt. You, you could have a very similar uh, rebuild and, expansion of the program to what you've seen at Vanderbilt, not to say the success, you know, that's obviously something we'll have to see over the long run, not the success Vanderbilt's had necessarily, but still a, a commitment to baseball that we've not seen at Tennessee could result from this one year run if they build it right and, and keep the fan interest where it is now. Yeah. Cause if you, if you lose Vitello, I mean, those, those guys who are seniors, but they have the potential to maybe come back for another season. And I'm talking about guys like Evan Russell, Liam Spence, Luke Lipsius, those guys, th- you just go ahead and say they're done. If Vitello's done, they're, they're not coming back probably, right? Like they're either going to go pro or go somewhere else for their final year. Probably that would be my guess. And they might do that anyway. Uh, they might they might go pro anyway, but that happens. And then if, if Vitello goes and takes Frank Anderson with him, 
then does Blake Tidwell just follow them to LSU? You know, I mean, why wouldn't he? Uh, you know, that you start playing that game of, oh, oh, God, what would happen to the recruiting class? What would happen to the roster? And it just feels like things could really start to collapse there if you don't make that happen. And, and people are asking questions, and they're good questions, about did this mean that Vitello turned down LSU, or does this mean that LSU didn't have Vitello in its list of final three guys at the end? My ultimate answer to that is who cares? But I've been around this deal long enough to know that there are people around Vitello who are saying that he told LSU this wasn't the right time, and there are people around LSU who will say, no, that, that you know, he, he didn't – he wasn't one of the – you know, O'Sullivan and one of those guys at Florida, like, yeah, there wasn't the, – he turned LSU down. But, like, Tony Vitello, Tennessee's coach, didn't turn LSU down. So, so you've got – probably a couple of different plot lines there, storylines there. My point at the end of the day is, does it really matter? Um, because Tennessee was already working on Vitello's contract before this. It was working on expansion uh, stuff for the stadium, enhancements for the stadium before all this. So I, I, I don't think that, 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 that it really matters. And if Vitello, even if – Let's say Tennessee had an offer on the table for him a couple weeks ago and he didn't sign it, and he waited to see what happened with LSU. Anyone in their right mind should be able to understand that. LSU was one of the two or three best jobs in college baseball, period, dot, end of sentence, end of paragraph, end of story. It is. And if you're a coach and LSU wants to call you and you don't at least pick up, you're an idiot because you're going to get more money whether you stay or whether you go there. So – is a business person, you, you have to take that call. As a coach who wants to win championships, you have to take that call. Uh, so if there, there was mutual interest, interest there, and, and that's the bottom line, and I understand that, um, but at the end of the day, I don't know that it really matters because what matters is that unless something crazy like Vitello to Arizona or something wild like that happens, um, this is going to work out for Tennessee, and it's absolutely huge because I think what happened at Omaha – it's weird, man. Like, look at NC State and look at Virginia. Those were teams that came into the season with some expectations, uh, ranked and all those things. They struggled out of the gates, and then they just caught fire late. And, by God, they ended up going, making deep runs in Omaha. And it just it, – it's, it's being good at the right time. And Tennessee just could not cash in. Uh, let's say that the, that very first inning against Virginia, right, two on, no outs. Let's say they get a run or two across there. The entire week could have been different. You could play butterfly effect and say, Tennessee wins the national championship if it scores in that inning because baseball is a momentum sport, and that could have changed things, right? Um, but that clearly set the tone. I think three times in the first six innings against Virginia, two on, no outs, didn't score. Abbott made pitches. Tennessee didn't counter. Then you go to the next game against Texas where I think Tennessee played better, um, but again, just didn't get the breaks. Texas scored five of its first six runs with two strikes and two outs. Tennessee did not execute pitches that it executed all season. Also got squeezed a couple times at the plate. Also got a bad call at home plate. I get that. That's frustrating. But Tennessee lost to a team that played better that day. It, it happens. The fact that Tennessee got to Omaha, I'm not a big like moral, you know, moral victory kind of guy, but Tennessee getting to Omaha feels like the start of something very real, and it should be something that's celebrated. The way this team – connected with this fan base and the way that they lifted this fan base in a moment where it really needed some juice, 
I think should never be forgotten. I think it's a really big deal. Uh, yeah, it's a huge deal. And, and anybody looking at this season as a disappointment or failure in any way because of what happened in Omaha is losing sight of the big picture. I mean, let's face it. This, this program was thought to be on the right track, was ranked, obviously, early in the year. What looked like a team that had a chance to finally emerge on a national stage this year. But no one went into the season saying Omaha or bust. I mean, no one thought the College World Series should be the expectation. And yet they spent the second half of the season ranked in the top five and competing for a number one ranking at one point. Had a couple massive home series against Arkansas and Vanderbilt that felt big time just as they started to get to expand the, the capacity at Lindsey Nelson Stadium coming out of COVID. So they, they really did uh, reach some high points this year that we, hit, we just haven't seen uh, with Tennessee's baseball program in a long, long time. People who remember the 1995 team uh, that I certainly don't remember watching. Um, oh, I, you know, re- I, about, I remember it pretty well. Uh, but, but they I'm, talked I'm about old. that team. I'm old. I'm old. I remember that team in Omaha. I don't remember anything before that, but I, I heard people talk about that that team bringing some big crowds to Lindsey Nelson Stadium, different postseason format at that time, but that there were crowds of four or 5,000 to watch that team. That might have been the last time, honestly, that you saw the kind of excitement that we saw around Tennessee baseball this year, and, and it might have even reached a higher point than that with the you know the block party and everything that went into that Super Regional. That, that was a pretty fun, festive environment, and like you said, Tennessee fans have just been wanting – a winner in something besides basketball, really. Um, in recent years, they they just haven't had a whole lot of, at least on the men's sports side, to to really sink their teeth into. And this team gave them that. And and, and baseball, and, and right after basketball, let them down too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so so again, it's been a tough time for football. All of that. And baseball is a sport that you know this, as you and I both know, this this state's always produced a good bit of talent in baseball. This is a this has been in some way, maybe not a sleeping giant, but certainly a program that's vastly underachieved compared to what the talent base and resources should allow Tennessee baseball to be. Um, Rod Delmonico showed that by kind of building this program and taking it to three College World Series in 11 years. So they should have been a lot better than they were the last 15 years. Now this, with the right coach, again, a coach that, to me, Tony Vitello's got some common traits that Bruce Pearl and... Ray Mears and those types of guys have had in baseball, a sport where you don't see a lot of colorful personalities sometimes as coaches. I think that's another reason he's big for Tennessee. Tennessee has shown this program and this fan base will respond to a coach that has passion and is entertaining and fun to watch that you need a little bit of a showman sometimes to jumpstart a program and Vitello love him or hate him for it. And if you're a fan of another team, you might hate him. But he's, he's been fun to watch, and that's one of the reasons I think fans have embraced this team and, and Vitello himself so much. And you throw, throw that away after this year, it would have been a, a huge, huge loss for that program for so many reasons. But, yeah, to, to, to accomplish everything they did this year, you can't look at this season as anything but a massive success. And, and, and like we said, it could be the start of something big. If they continue to recruit this way, continue to add help in the transfer portal, get the facilities uh, commitments and uh, and expansions they want in the future. It, it's going to be a big deal. And it's going to give this team a chance to, to really sustain this over the next few years. And there are no coaches quite like him in the sec. Um, you know, young single, that sort of, I don't want to say flamboyant, but that sort of energetic, that sort of, uh, you know, uh, runny of the mouthy, you know, whatever you want to call him. Like, you know, he, he's a guy who, um, 
you know, kind of during a game, he can give some of those vibes. I'm talking in-game only about the way that people talk about, you know, the fact that Will Wade never shuts up talking to the officials and things like that. I mean, you know, Vitello's got that kind of young, brash attitude, uh, and there are kids who know that. They're in, on the recruiting trail. That will appeal to a lot of kids because if you want to go do something different, you can go to Tennessee. And, and I think that sort of – that resonates with a lot of kids, and you can tell by the personality of these players, right? I mean, they – they do not back down from a challenge. Um, they will bow up when they need to. And, hey, that sort of chippiness, that mindset, that, that took that team a long way. And he's the kind of guy that you can probably build something around if you can keep him there. And I think just keeping him there was huge. And, and if you go look at, you know, Perfect Game and these other places and, and go look at some of the, the places that really cover the nitty-gritty of college baseball recruiting – uh, Tennessee's next couple classes are ranked very, 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 very highly. They are very, very big-time classes. This one coming in now this year is huge. Now you can look at the first two names on there, um, you know, especially Brady House. He, he's never going to play in college. He's going to be a top-ten pick. There's no chance that he ends up in – I mean, he's phenomenal. I don't think he ever steps foot on Tennessee's campus as a player. But uh, a lot of those other guys in the class, they might – be high draft picks they might not they might be able to be convinced to stay so there's a lot going on there and and they can build some big things to that program there's a chance that next year they kind of are regrouping again um, and they're just kind of like a regional team or if the cards go right a super regional team um, there's a chance that that happens but then they're really really building for the future and it's going to be big time but then again if they go on the if they go out there and, and for the through the portal patch a couple of these holes, hey, man, they're rocking and rolling. And Well, and, and college baseball is like that, right? Like fans will need to keep that in mind. Don't The expectation for most programs is not college World Series every year. You know, South Carolina had its peak several years ago, and, and it didn't last. You know, they, they had their ebbs and flows where not every single year they were in Omaha. Vanderbilt, not every single year, although they're getting close to that now, uh, are they in Omaha. So sometimes you have to cycle back up. And it's more of an every other year or every third year kind of thing. But if you can stay in the NCAA tournament every single year, that establishes you. So, yeah, it, you're losing some pieces this year, but this at least should be a team that with what they have coming in, it looks like at least a, a quite possibly an NCAA tournament team and, and maybe more next year. Yeah, and before we go to break, I'll say this. I thought even when – and I knew Ben Joyce was not going to come back from his injury um, this year. But even when I thought that Jason Rackers was going to be healthy – and even when I thought Jackson Leith was not going to get hurt, um, I thought Tennessee could be a super regional team, and then, hey, you'll take your chances from there. I did not think Omaha, and especially with no Jackson Leith, with no Ben Joyce, and with Jason Rackers being a shell of his former self as he's still trying to work his way back there from Tommy John with those three things happening, and then those guys, those those big bats getting off to slow starts in the season, I, I would not have predicted Omaha for this squad. So, hey, man, things came together. They did a hell of a job. Didn't end the way you wanted it to, but them's the breaks, right? I, I think it's, it's big news, and Tennessee needs to wrap up this Vitello contract as soon as possible, announce plans for the baseball expansion, and I would do that as quickly as possible because you want to ride momentum while you have it. Momentum is a precious thing. Um, if you get too much closer to football season before you start announcing these things, people are going to be talking about Tennessee's quarterback competition. People are going to be talking about, how, you know, yep. are the Vols going to make a bowl game. This is the time to strike hot. People are going to be talking about, is this the Tennessee basketball team that's going to get to a Final Four? The longer you wait, uh, the longer that, that you sort of get out of 
out of sight, out of mind. And we have like the attention spans of gnats in this era. You have got to strike while it's hot. You've got to get this done soon. You got to keep the momentum going and you got to find a way to stay in the community and stay active and stay visible while this is going on because you, you want to, you want to keep the momentum while you have it. Absolutely. And Wes, to your question earlier about, you know, does it matter? No, it ultimately doesn't matter whether LSU offered in the job. I think Tennessee fans would like to know just because they want to know how much to love Tony Vitello. <laughs> they want to know, yeah. do I love him because he's a great coach and he's fun to watch and his teams have been good? Or do I love him because he just told one of the best programs in the country, thanks, but no thanks. I like what I'm building here. Uh, so if they, if they found that out, I think it would make them love Vitello even more. I think they're good either way though. And, and to your point, it doesn't ultimately matter, but uh, that's that's part of it is that they they they've sent some commitment and he's talked a lot about loyalty. We'll see in the long run if that if that's still a, a big part of the equation, if, if it's a if it's a you know every few years thing where other programs are coming after him. Uh, if he does build this thing and continue to get Tennessee in the national discussion, that do other programs come after him in the, in the coming years that make this an issue again at some point. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if that loyalty is there in the long run. But. For now, he's saying all the right things. Tennessee looks like it's making a commitment to baseball. And to your point, announce that, get that stuff wrapped up as fast as possible and, and get people, keep people talking about Tennessee baseball while this offseason uh, or while this season is so fresh on everyone's minds and they're excited about this program. Yeah, Danny White seems to be a pretty you know, sharp guy in terms of understanding things like that. He's a sort of a modern AD in that way. I would think he understands that, but then again, you gotta you gotta get the agreement done before you can announce it. So get that done, get that announced, keep the thing moving, guys. We gotta step away for a second. Uh, we're overdue for a break here. We gotta step away, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things. I'm gonna see if I can get that yapping dog in the background to shut up. And uh, what can I say, Gus? The sun's shining and Gus is out today, and he's he's. He's out there having a good old time. So I'm going to try to calm him down. We'll be right back here for the second segment of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a gorgeous Friday afternoon in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town there at his home daycare center. Talking a lot of Tennessee sports in this episode. We're talking, talked a little basketball, talked a little baseball. Now we're going to shift the focus to football for the second segment. Got a ton of ton to discuss some good news and some bad news and and some in between we're not quite sure what to make of it news 
all of those things. Uh, recruiting also will be touched on in this segment. But before we do that, quick reminder, guys, if you could take about 90 seconds out of your day right now. and Because uh, I couldn't say I was going to say a minute then two minutes, and I was like, no, let's go 90 seconds. 90 seconds out of your day right now. Go in there into whatever podcast app that you are listening to, whether you're in, you're at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the Fond Pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Please go in there. Please take a minute, 90 seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, rate, and review this podcast. There is nothing you can do that will help us more than doing that. We, it'll, it'll just take a minute out of your time. We really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. It helps other people find this podcast, add more wolves to the wolf pack, all of those good things. And if you're just listening on the website, hey, man, we love you. There's no problem with that. But if you could go into your, your, your laptop, your smartphone, your tablet, go in there and hit the subscribe button, rate and review, uh, that helps us out a lot. Please, 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 please. Go do that. Also, please go to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of all things Tennessee athletics all the time. Got a really good deal going on right now. Got two months for $1. It's a flash sale. You got to hurry. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Two months for $1. And I'll tell you at the end of this episode, everything you get with that, which is quite a bit. That's You talk about a dollar super value menu. By God, that that's a super value for a buck right there. And then even if you pay us the full price, which is less than one mediocre lunch per month, there are a ton of benefits, ton of benefits you get with that, and not just sports-related. Ryan, we have got a ton of football to discuss in this segment. We've got recruiting to discuss. we got team news to discuss. Um, there's a lot going on here. Do you? I'm going to throw the ball to you. Do you want to start with recruiting, or do you want to start with, uh, with team news? I, I think let's start with the team news. We'll, we'll save the recruiting stuff for the end. I, I know there's a, there are a couple of big team stories this week that, uh, that I know people will be eager to, uh, to hear more about. So we'll go there. Um, Tennessee, it's really unfortunate in my opinion, but we can talk about that here in just a second. But the bottom line is uh, Caden Salter, uh, Tennessee's uh, freshman quarterback, a top 50 or top 100 prospect, a, a big-time quarterback prospect, was already on thin ice. He has uh, gotten gotten – popped for uh for for marijuana possession and he has been dismissed from the program and uh i'll i'll be brief on this i said this on twitter and i i think it upset some people and and i understand that but i i understand why tennessee did what it did and i feel like tennessee probably had no choice at the end of the day especially being a first-year coaching staff you have got to set down rules that have to be followed Uh, but at the end of the day to me it's sort of sad that um, a player ends up getting booted from a program for something that is legal, uh, completely legal in 16 states and D.C., and is somewhat legal in at least 36 states and D.C. That is sad to me. That is unfortunate. Um, but that's another story for another day. The bottom line is he had rules that he had to follow, and he ran afoul of them, and he was already on thin ice, and I don't think Tennessee had much of a choice. Did it, Ryan? Yeah, that, that, that's the one thing we really don't know for sure is how much of a how much this was, uh, them, this was Josh Heupel's decision or the, or that coaching staff's decision, and how much of it was was decided on the university side of things. Uh, because you do have to remember the incident he was involved in in the spring was more serious, um, and this at the end of the day, this probably has more to do with the spring incident than it does the latest incident. The latest one was the final straw. But it's it's more about the fact that he was on thin ice and just three weeks after getting reinstated, 
this happens. So uh, that's obviously a concern and, and suggests there, you know, he's, he, it's a young guy who needs to mature. He's had a rough go of it at Tennessee. Let's face it. I, I've, I've told this multiple times, uh, but it's, it's worth keeping in mind. Literally as soon as he got to Tennessee, his father of course was admitted to the hospital with, with COVID-19 and stayed in the hospital for months and, and didn't get to go back to Texas until this spring. So the fact that he had to deal with that, you never know how that's going to impact a young man and a, a guy in his situation who's, who's just getting off to college. Um, that I, I, I'm not saying that's the reason he got into any of this trouble. This may have happened regardless, but you certainly have seen kids in the past in other situations deal with, deal with stress like that in their family situations, uh, you know, kind of struggling with things emotionally and, and, you know, lashing out or acting out as a result. Um, so you can't rule out that possibility, but regardless of the reasons, um, this is a guy who's going to have to learn from this and, and mature. And you just hope it's not a, a setback in his life and that he can make the most of this situation and, uh, be able to find a new home and, and continue to play football and, and, and get his school paid for, uh, through football. So, uh, I think he's going to have a second chance somewhere. It's just, as it, is it at a junior college right now? Is it, is it going to be at another four-year program? We'll, we'll see if he lands on his feet this year. But uh, he's he's got to figure things out, and uh, yet with with that incident in the spring, remember one player already left the program uh, in his first year, Isaac Washington. As a result of that incident, um, you had other players suspended from it. In addition to Salter, it, that was serious enough that you know that it, it was it was obviously a situation where Salter could not afford another issue, and, and partly because of Tennessee's student conduct board, I think there was enough concern with him being on probation. From what I understand, with that. Um, that, that another incident could have required him to be suspended from school, uh, which essentially would have been a dismissal. So I don't know if that's what happened here or if Josh Heupel just said, you know what, that, that we may have to go down that path, but before we get there, I, I've just got to dismiss. So either way, I think Tennessee we didn't have many options, and it's, uh, it's an unfortunate but, um, but probably necessary end to his Tennessee career, and uh, you just hope he can get things straightened out. But two incidents in six months like that, I mean – he just goes down as a big question mark. We never got to see him on the practice field. No one really knew what they had in Caden Salter. I think he's a talented kid that had a chance to be good in the future, but now we'll just we'll never know, or we'll have to wait and see what he does at, at another stop. Yeah, I've got two point five to three thoughts on this. Uh, two of them are sort of, I guess, blended. Uh, I think there's a few things. One, I I think I wish um, it were legal, and I think it should be, but it is not in this state. And I do think that laws need to be followed. So on that front, you, you, you break a law, there are consequences to your actions. Um, that, you know, I, I think it should be legal. I think a lot of people think it should be legal. The fact is it's not. And so you have to, you have to follow the law, and he did not follow the law. And that, that's that. The other thing is, especially as a first-year coach in a program, you have got to set rules, and you have got to have them followed. It doesn't matter if you're a quarterback. It doesn't matter if you're a wide receiver. You know, you don't have to treat everyone fairly. I mean, I'm sorry, you don't have to treat everyone the same, but you do have to treat everyone fairly. And as a first-year coach, you know, there are three kinds of kids, in my opinion. There are the kinds of kids who will never, ever cause you trouble no matter who's the coach or no matter what the situation is. That's one. Number two, there are kids who will always cause some trouble no matter who the coach is, no matter what the situation is. They, they will always push the boundaries. You will always worry about them no matter what. And then there's the third group of kids, uh, and I think this is a large group of kids 
who they are much more malleable. They will do, they will sort of follow the pack. If they have a coach who has a heavy hand and they know there are consequences to their actions, they will fall in line. If they do not feel like that rules have to be followed, they will push the boundaries and they will get in trouble. That's where I think a lot of kids are. And so as a first-year coach trying to establish a program, trying to get things back on track for a program that has uh, that is going through some NCAA questions or some, some big NCAA problems right now, uh, you know, recruiting issues, some potential um, punt, you know, penalties coming down the pike, you have got to set a firm example and you have got to follow them. And if you let a kid get away with some stuff a couple of times, everybody makes a mistake here and there. But if a kid who's already on thin ice makes a mistake – you sort of have to have a heavy hand, especially as a first-year coach, in my opinion, because you don't. You have got to set a. You've got to set the tone for your program. So I think that's something that 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 probably needs to be taken into account. Oh, well, and, and one side note on this, uh, Caden Salter, I, I believe, and I, I have not confirmed. I didn't personally see this post on his Instagram story uh, to see whether it was legitimately from him. So hopefully it was not a fraudulent post that I saw some people posting, but it looked, it looked legitimate enough, but he seemed to to be saying, uh, that he did not, uh, actually get arrested and that it was only a citation. If you look at, we have the police report. It literally says arrest report at the top. Yeah. He was, he, he received what, what they consider a citation in lieu of an arrest, um, which, all that the only distinction there is he gets booked and processed on the day he shows up in court. It's technically an arrest. So that's neither here nor there, but this is not the same as getting a traffic ticket, a traffic citation. This was a misdemeanor charge. So it still was a, regardless of what you think about the charge, it was a serious enough offense that it had to put his Tennessee career in jeopardy, given what he dealt with in the spring. But I saw Caden Salter apparently make that, claim that it was not an not an arrest not a not, not the same uh in his mind as a as a if he had been physically arrested you know the way we think of an arrest I, I don't think that really matters in this case because again it's still a misdemeanor charge and something that he was going to have to deal with in court um so it's it's still a big deal and something Tennessee had to deal with yeah it, it's it's semantics at that point i mean it's i mean you want to be accurate uh, for sure but it's so, sort of semantics like you you got into trouble when you were not allowed to get in trouble and it's so unfortunate because kids will be kids sometimes and they will just do things that really frustrate you but you, you got to learn from them right i mean it's not like he did the worst thing ever but he, he picked a bad time for it and yep. You know, we'll, we'll see the repercussions that has. I guess it's now it's a really good thing now that Tennessee added some quarterback, uh, right? You know, added a couple quarterbacks through the portal. That comes in real handy right about now, especially because you you know you lose Shroud, you lose Garantano, then you know the 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 touty kid you bring in, he, he's gone. I mean, it it starts to add up. So it's it's now a good thing that they that they did that, and and we'll see what sort of repercussions that has. It, it's a reminder. As a reminder, he this kid was not here in the spring. So, you know, other guys have been working in this system. They've been working out. So it shouldn't be a huge change in that regard. I really would like to have seen what this kid would do. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not what you would call a recruiting expert analyst, but I enjoyed watching this kid's film as much as I have any Tennessee quarterback commitment or signing in a long time. Uh, I just really enjoyed watching his film and, you know, some of that little Mahomes-type stuff that he can do. I, 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 it would have been fun to watch. And I hope he gets it straightened out and can do it somewhere else. And it's just unfortunate, but but that 
that happens, and we'll see what that does to the quarterback competition. But I mean, they've still got they've still got guys. Yeah, and I and I think in the short term, this doesn't really change the quarterback competition because no one I was talking with about this thought he was going to be a big factor in that this year, at least not to start. Uh, now he might have been a guy that if he had really caught up, made made up for lost time, and and made the most of spring uh, of preseason practice, I should say that maybe he could have been in the mix by the end of the season if if anybody struggled there, but or if he had some injuries. But going into the year, it was going to be tough for him to be a serious part of, a, of, a, of an equation where you have two experienced starters um, from outside the program who've transferred in this year, and Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker, along with Harrison Bailey, who started three games at the end of last season. So that 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 those are the three main contenders for the for the starting job going into this season, and I think that that hasn't changed as a result of this. As you said, it's a great thing now that they brought in Joe Milton, and I think the frankly the uncertainty and the not knowing exactly what you had in Caden Salter as a as a result of his spring issue off the field was probably part of the reason Tennessee didn't hesitate to bring in Joe Milton because he, he, even if you did know a little bit more what you had in Salter, I still think they probably would have brought him in. But I think because you had that uncertainty with him at the time, I think the staff kind of thought, you know what, we we need somebody else we can count on. And we don't know yet that we can count on Caden Salter as a serious contender who can actually play the quarterback position for us. So let's we didn't recruit him. We don't know him that well. Let's bring in more help. And now it's a good thing they did because they still have four scholarship quarterbacks. You still got Brian Maurer, who's kind of the forgotten man and, and unlikely to win the starting job, I think, going into the year. But he's he's at least another scholarship guy who's played before. So you still got four guys to count on. And But as you said, Salter was intriguing, had a lot of talent, had, had some promise for the future. And, and I liked his mental makeup. I, I think he's got some alpha in him that you like to see at the quarterback position and had, had the potential to be a leader in that way. Won at a high, be a he won at a high level in Texas, which is not easy to do. He did. And and you liked that he was you liked in a way that he was raw. That was one of the reasons he wasn't as likely to start this year, but he'd only started two years in high school. And so the arrow was pointing up on his development. He was getting better every year. And and I think there was a real chance for him to to develop and get significantly better at Tennessee. And and that's what you want. You want a guy whose potential is not maxed out going into college, which you see sometimes. He had the potential to get a lot better and still does. Um, but but a problem with, you know, he might be an alpha. He might have some of that that mental makeup you'd like to see, but he doesn't have the maturity side clearly at this point. And you need somebody you can count on at the quarterback position above all other positions. Uh, you need that at every position, but at quarterback, that's the face of your program, certainly the face of your offense. And as a coaching staff, it's going to be hard to ever start and rely on a guy that you don't fully trust off the field to handle things responsibly. Uh, because if you've given that responsibility and then there's an issue, suddenly your team's thrown into chaos and, and, and other guys might transfer uh, as a result of that guy getting a starting job. And if you hang your hat on him and then something happens, you're in trouble. So th- that would have that would have been an issue for him, for this staff to really trust him anytime soon anyway, even if he had stuck around. So this was going to be a major setback for him one way or the other. Now, unfortunately, it ends his Tennessee career, and we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, and in the old days, you you probably could get away with just you know redshirting a kid like this, 
uh, and seeing if he could figure things out and, and mature during his year on campus. But those days are over now. Everything's out there in the public eye. There is no running from it. There's no hiding from it. That's the era we live in now. The, everything is visible. And so those are the rules that of society right now. That's the rules that need to be followed, and Tennessee has to move on. Uh, speaking of moving on, Tennessee uh, did get, I would say, better news uh, this week regarding linebacker Aaron Beasley, and, and that's a position where Tennessee needs a lot of help. That's clear. We've, we've mentioned this time and time again. I, I'm pretty sure we'll mention it several other times between now and December, Ryan. I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about the linebacker situation because it is kind of a – it's a huge question mark right now. But another body, at least, is on its way back. Aaron Beasley, who had been uh, accused of some pretty nasty animal cruelty charges. And, and I will be honest here, uh, speaking personally, I like animals more than I like people. And the, the allegations that were out there were disturbing, very, very disturbing. But uh, legally speaking, those charges have been dropped. So Tennessee is going to reinstate Aaron Beasley. He is back in the program. And if there's no charge legally here, I don't know what Tennessee could have done differently. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and, and just to echo that, I, animals probably like animals more than they like people, too. Probably, probably like animals more than they like you as well. So 100%. That's probably a mutual 100%. <laughs> but, you, 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 heard, you heard Gus misbehaving throughout the first segment, so yes. Yeah. No question, but yeah, uh, but but yeah. To to your point, this is a this is a big deal for Tennessee to get him back. And and let's on the on the charges themselves. You know, they they were dismissed, um, and th- there was at least a, at the very least, it was a he said she said kind of situation. There were diff- very different stories told Correct. as yes. to what actually happened. Um, so that that was at least. We, we can't assume anything about what did happen because we don't really have all the facts. But it sounded like there was at least some. Uh, some question as to to the facts of the case that made it tough for them to really say, okay, it's these charges need to go forward. He needs to he, that he needed to be con, uh, convicted on any of those charges, or that uh, or, or that Tennessee needed to, to dismiss him from the program as a result of those accusations. So it was a it, it was a, t- a tough situation for Tennessee to have to deal with. I think they did the right thing, suspending him while that was all being sorted out, but. I, I certainly don't have a problem with them uh, reinstating him, given that there's some serious question as to what actually took place. And it's a big deal for Tennessee to get him back. As you said, that position was really, really thin at one point this spring. It's looking a little bit better now. I think it's a it's a safer position depth-wise than it was three months ago but because they've added a couple of transfers, uh, Juwan Mitchell and, and William Mohan. And to, to now have a guy like Aaron Beasley back, he's not a guy that started before but he's someone that's at least a veteran who's been in the program. That's probably a better fit for this defensive system than he was for the last system. And it at least can give you another option there that you think is capable of playing. Uh, it, we'll see if he can, has a potential to be a dynamic player, but at least can give you another option on defense that you feel could, could play. So they're in a much better situation at that position. And you've also gotten Aaron Willis back from his spring suspension. Uh, another guy who was caught up in that off-field incident this spring, he's back. Uh, working with the team, so you you get you get some depth there, and that that position suddenly looking a little bit healthier. Not perfect by any means, but it's a lot better, and and you're much much less likely to look at that position as one that's going to keep Tennessee from competing with some teams. As it, in the spring, if they'd been left with four or five scholarship guys, that would have been an issue. You would have looked at that, and everyone would have said, "You can't compete in the SEC with that kind of depth." They're at least in a better spot now to say, "Okay." They can go in there and hang with SEC teams with what they have at, at linebacker. It may not be good. We'll find out. But it's at least competent at an SEC level because they have these guys back. Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, 
quickly, I, I think Tennessee did what it needed to do here. I, I, I admire the fact that when those allegations were out there, it, it got rid of um, or, or suspended him, but it did not, you know, kick him out of the program. And I think that when the charges were dropped, you, you pretty much have no choice but to bring him back because there's nothing you can prove that was done that was that was improper. So I, I on that front, you know, I you know, some of that stuff will probably stick to him the rest of his career, uh, and that's just part of it. And that is unfortunate if he's truly innocent. But um, it, it's that stuff's not going to go away. Oh, let's put it that way. I mean, if, if he ends up becoming a, a big player and NFL teams talk to him in the future, that's certainly going to come up. I mean, you know, it's just it's just part of it. But uh, as purely as a football player, Aaron Beasley, someone who, um, you know, Jeremy Pruitt really really liked him as a player he said I'm not quite sure where he fits but I just really like him as a football player and I think Jeremy Pruitt was a guy who was good at figuring out who was a football player and who wasn't I I think he was very and it still is pretty darn good at that so say what you will about the guy but I don't think you can deny that I think the guy knows who can be a good defensive football player Uh, and, and he liked him as a player so this staff came in liked him a lot as a player so if two different staffs like you as a player probably means you're going to be somewhere involved in the team right I mean that's yeah. I reason. think yeah. No, I think so. And, and I, I think uh, I, I think again, he's not a front runner for a starting job this year or anything like that. Um, and and I wouldn't say he should be, but he was out there getting a lot of before the suspension, getting a lot of reps with the with the first and second team, and and looked like someone who was at least capable of playing more this year. Uh, I think the addition of Juwan Mitchell makes his path to a to a starting job or significant role certainly much tougher. Uh, Jeremy Banks should be back out there this fall, so that that makes it tougher. But uh, but he's at least someone you can count on to be a part of the two deep or or another viable option in there. And we'll see. Maybe he does take advantage of that spring experience he got before the suspension. So I I, I think he is. You know, again, it's a good guy to have in there. Uh, you're glad to have him back because that's that position looks a lot healthier now, especially after the additions of uh, of Mitchell and Mohan. And and now you know you you at least have a have a depth chart that looks much more like a, what an SEC team should have at linebacker, a position where they'll probably have only two out there at a time. Um, in three linebacker sets, maybe he gets more in the equation if you if you run any true four three um, type stuff or, or three four even. But as as far as what we're going to see is most likely more of a base defense, a four two five uh, for Tennessee that you see out there so much these days. Beasley probably not a starter, at least not a front runner for a starting job. But again a guy that you could see on the field certainly and and at least can help on special teams and be a be a guy in that too deep that they can probably count on in some situations if they need it. Yeah, and it's certainly something that we'll keep an eye on. I mean, Tennessee's linebacker situation, I still don't know that it's you know, I mean, it's I don't know that it's settled certainly. I mean, there's a lot of questions there. It does look better than it did, you know, a couple months ago for sure, but that will be a question mark going forward. We're we're about we're we're running really really short on time here guys so we got to shift gears to talk recruiting there's some things going on ryan it's been a whole bunch of camps going on in tennessee you've been all over those camps you've been covering them on a daily basis sort of what what's the vibe from there any big news that's emerged from there i know you and you know with an assist from from pat have been doing a ton of work over there what's what's the vibe yeah, you know, camps have been interesting this year. I, I think Tennessee has done a pretty good job of getting guys on campus overall this year when you look at official visits, certainly, where they've got a huge group of guys in this weekend that we'll talk about in a minute. Unofficial visitors, they've gotten some pretty good talent on campus with those as well, uh, including some pretty big-time talent in the 2023 class. Um, 
camps themselves, it's been a little more hit and miss. Uh, but that, I think, is as much as anything a result of there being so many schools battling to get guys on campus throughout this month because it's been the first chance for anyone to visit anywhere in more than a year. So um, because kids are also having to worry about going to places like Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and, and sometimes, uh, you know, schools to the north, you know, we've seen kids in, in, in Tennessee visiting Kentucky and Ohio State and schools, uh, schools up there because you've got to worry about going to all of those types of places and elsewhere that, that might be interested in you and that, that places you might have interested in or might have interest in, it's tough to get everywhere, uh, and especially on camp days. So I think it, it's not been uh, every week. You, you haven't seen Tennessee with just a loaded uh, list of camp participants, but it, it's been kind of a weird year that way where I think that's kind of the case a lot of places. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, the, how, how we look back on things in a couple months. I think we'll tell us a lot more about what they actually got accomplished, you know, how many of these guys maybe end up getting offers in the coming weeks after they kind of evaluate more players uh, in, in the 2023 class and things like that. How many of these guys that visited on unofficial visits and official visits end up committing to Tennessee within the next few months? Uh, that will tell the tale of how they really did this month. But it's been an overall okay month for Tennessee. I think some some surprises, some successes, and then some guys that they would have liked to have gotten here who look like they're not going to visit that certainly is going to at least – clarify some things on their board as they as they get ready to move into the final weeks of the summer and prepare for the season where you're going to see some movement in this class you're going to see Tennessee add some guys and now I think it, it you get at least a little more clarity on who you've got a real shot at based on who visited and who didn't visit this month yeah and, and so fair to say probably not a, a walk-off grand slam this month not a not a Drew Gilbert month uh, for Tennessee with the camps but but maybe not bad we'll just have to wait yeah. and see not bad, and it's been a slower month on the commitment front, which when I look back on it, I, I didn't know that it would play out this way, but I'm not surprised that it's played out this way. We'll see if this weekend changes that. They've got 13 official visitors on campus this weekend, uh, including some some pretty big-time guys. Uh, Branson Robinson, the top 100 running back from Mississippi, is kind of the headliner of the official visitors, but uh, Cameron Miller, the four-star receiver from, from Memphis, back in town for the second time this month on his official visit. Uh, four-star defensive back Antonio Kite from Alabama, also on official visit. And then uh, another top in-state target, Caden Pope, the wide receiver from Hardin County over in Savannah, Tennessee. Uh, those those guys among the official visitors, but it's a pretty pretty good list. Uh, an offensive line target they really like and, and Mo Clipper from Georgia. Um, so there, there's a lot of guys to watch. Uh, Quintel Jones, the defensive line target from Georgia. So we'll, we'll see about guys like that, but it's it's been a slower month on the commitment front than maybe some people expected one so far this month. And that's Dylan Sampson, the running back. Uh, they, they obviously have made a move with Messiah Reddick who visited Tennessee last weekend uh, and hasn't announced anything yet, but I certainly think Tennessee is trending there. So they've, they've made moves, but it, it looks like it's set up, it's set up for July and maybe even August to be bigger on the commitment front than this month has been, which makes sense to me because guys have spent the whole month visiting schools and then they'll kind of settle down when the, another dead period starts on Monday. Once the visits wrap up this weekend, they'll take some time, reflect, and make their decisions in the coming weeks. So been a slower month, but I wouldn't take that as a sign so far that means Tennessee's struggling. I think it just means guys have been waiting to make their decisions, and you might see a much busier July and August kind of stretch run to the summer. At least one, if not more, decisions coming up pretty soon potentially, though, right? I mean, it seems like there's a couple of – 
uh, maybe maybe through the portal, maybe through recruiting. It looks like there there could be some some movement here in the next little bit. Yeah, the, there is one coming up this weekend, and uh, from just the latest I've heard, it sounds more like maybe a Sunday announcement than Saturday. But but Karon Prunty, the uh, the Kansas cornerback transfer uh, who just visited Tennessee last weekend, that was an official visit. Uh, had been to South Carolina the weekend before. He says he's going to announce this weekend. He announced that on, on his Twitter account this week. And uh, sounds like that one's coming down to the wire. It's been a tight race. There's not really been a lot of uh, a, a lot of chatter about either team being in front or, or having emerged as the leader. And I think that's because there's been some some sort of back and forth there and, and people close to the to the kid maybe divided. Um, so so Prunty, a, a really interesting player. He was a 24-7 sports true freshman All-American last year, uh, played, played in or started all nine games as a true freshman at Kansas. So uh, obviously a guy that, you know, not coming from an SEC school by any means, but still started at a power five school as a true freshman. You can't knock that has good size uh, about six, one, one ninety. Certainly a guy that could come in and at the very least compete, if not start though, uh, but, but could compete for early playing time. And I think would play quite a bit as, as a, uh, in his first year at Tennessee, if he did come here, I, I think South Carolina has a similar opportunity for him. So he's, kind of torn between two places that really need help in the secondary. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes, but that decision coming this weekend. And again, no real sign of where he's headed, but that's one to watch uh, that maybe sort of the next movement for Tennessee, uh, not in the 2022 class, obviously that's a guy who would be on campus next week um, to start second session summer classes. So that's obviously one where he has to make a decision soon because he's got to enroll somewhere within the next week or 10 days. And then, uh, in the 2022 class, again, there's several candidates for guys who could make decisions soon. Nothing, nothing really set right now, but certainly there's some guys even in town this weekend who could make decisions before too long. And we'll see if Tennessee's able to get any of those guys to the finish line or, or make a real move to where someone's ready to commit in the near future. But uh, anything like that's always possible with uh, with players visiting this weekend. And, and I'll say this in conclusion: uh, if you're not paying close attention, you, you probably need to be because. Um, you know, this is June in recruiting, June and July in recruiting. Things get going pretty heavy. Uh, and if you're not paying attention, there's a lot of things you might miss because if it, it just things happen. And, and it's almost – it's unfortunate the podcast format does not always lend itself to giving you the absolute latest because things can change so quickly. You know, we can drop this thing at, what, 4.30, 5 Eastern, whenever, 5 Eastern, sometime around there. And then by 5.30, something totally different has happened. And that's just the way of the world. But uh, it does seem like there could be some news for Tennessee in the next week or so. There, there definitely could. We'll, we'll see again what, what happens with Karon Prunty. And, uh, and there are a few guys this weekend that you certainly could see Tennessee getting. You know, I mentioned Quintel Jones, the defensive line target from Georgia. He's a guy that looked, it seemed like he's liked Tennessee for a while. Caden Pope, you know, I made a crystal ball prediction for Tennessee to land him a few months ago. Um, that, that's one that he's talked about waiting till August or September for a decision. But does Tennessee apply some pressure this weekend and maybe try to get him into the class sooner than planned? Uh, things like that. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. There's some possibilities out there for Tennessee this weekend with 13 official visitors and a cookout. They're having a cookout Sunday. Uh, don't worry, Bruce Pearl. Yeah, Kraft, was, not in, don't take my jokes away from me, Ryan. Not involved in this one. But, yeah, that, that I know that that word comes up. Don't worry. No NCAA violations are involved with having a cookout. That was a different story because it was off campus. So Tennessee's having this one on campus. They're having some players in Sunday for the final day before the dead period starts. And, uh, and, and we'll see who ends up making it to that. But Isaiah Horton, the four-star wide receiver from Murfreesboro, is among the players scheduled to be at that. So 
Uh, even that, some important visitors coming in this weekend for Tennessee before the dead, peri- dead period starts on Monday. So I think when we look back, it'll end up being a, a pretty productive month for Tennessee. But what comes out of this weekend and even the guys who visited the past two weeks uh, will really determine how we look back on the month of June and what they got accomplished. But certainly a lot to watch this weekend. And, uh, and we'll have it all covered for you on Go Vols 24-7. Man, we had to cover a lot of ground on this episode, didn't we? We, we blew past we, a couple of timestamps, but by God, we had a lot to talk about. We did. Anything else, Ryan? You got anything else before uh, before we get on out of here? No, I think that's it. And uh, like you said earlier, can't stress enough that two months for $1 deal. Uh, to get all our preseason camp coverage in August, uh, or for, for a large portion of August anyway, uh, for $1. And then get all the coverage this weekend as well for all the all the recruiting coverage, and you will see a lot of it the next few days uh, coming out of this busy weekend. It's a good time to sign up and take advantage of that deal. I think that's a good place to leave it. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. And once you hear that music, there it is. That lets you know that we're going to wrap up this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Quick heads up, guys. I will be uh, in Miami next week in South Beach uh, on a vacation, so uh, you might not hear much from me, uh, but I'll be back later in the week. We'll have some podcast stuff going on later, later in the week, so don't worry about that. We'll have you covered, and certainly the website will probably run even better without me around to help there for a few days, and I put help there in air quotes. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, go get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 and get tons of stuff there. Uh, But if you want the best, most delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water, Ronnie Millsap style, just right from the tap, go get that at govals247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee baseball. Did I say baseball first? Yes, I did, because it's been on my mind. Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, Lady Vols coverage, all things Lady Vols with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things. We didn't even mention Ralph Weekly's retirement in this episode. That's how many freaking things we've had going on, by the way. Congratulations, Ralph. Hell of a run. Go enjoy retirement, man. Go enjoy retirement. You, 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 did, you did yeoman's work there for the Lady Vols. Big time stuff. Uh, you get all that plus access to our boards there, uh, the checkerboard and the summit, 24-7 coverage of Tennessee athletics, and, and a water cooler, a digital water cooler for you to, to discuss anything you want with us as long as it's not political or religious in nature. You can go get that at GoVols247.com. And right now you can get two months for $1 two months for one dollar and if you stick around and if you pay us full price and you like what you get that's still less than one mediocre lunch per month and with that you get access to paramount plus for free rolls royce package commercial free 100 plus dollar annual value in your pocket every year that you're a member with us you get that membership no questions asked that's again that's us taking giving you a great deal and then making it a ridiculous deal by adding that on top of it. That's everything in the CBS catalog, every show ever made, lots of exclusive stuff, exclusive shows on there, tons of movies, new and old on there. Uh, You get live sports, you get SEC, Tennessee, PGA Tour, NFL, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, lots of uh, international soccer games, tons of stuff, plus things from the catalogs of Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon. $100 plus value. In your pocket. Every year, no questions asked. Guys, no one else can offer you that deal. We can. And right now, you can try all of that for $1 for two months. 
Go to GoVols247.com. Do not delay. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go right now to GoVols247.com. Uh, you should hear from us guys by uh, the toward the end of next week, so we'll have everything there, uh, because if we did one during the week, it would be me slurring my speech, um, and you could, you'd be able to probably smell the, the rum and cigars through the, through the microphone. So we won't do that. But we will be back later in the week, and uh, the site will be running at full tilt until then. So guys, be good to each other. And we'll see you when we see you. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.